Welcome, my darling pretties, to our Beyond the Dawn of Business podcast for pretty empowered female entrepreneurs. It's time to step into your power, pretties, lift each other, support the squad, and choose a life filled with the autonomy and freedom to live your dreams. I'm your host, Dawn Beth, owner and founder of Beyond the Dawn Digital Business Brand and Agency. My coffee is hot and my eyelashes are on, so we are ready to go. Hi and welcome to this episode. I am delighted today to be welcoming a lovely lady, uh, Leah Clara, to come to our podcast and talk to me today about what it is like being a hard-hitting, impactful female CEO. Um, hi darling, welcome to the podcast. Hi Dawn, thank you for having me. It's always such a pleasure to have a chat with you. <laughs> it's so nice to have you. Um, so I I generally give my guests the opportunity to introduce themselves because I think you guys do a far better job than I could ever do. Um, do you want to let our listeners know who you are and, and what you do? Yes, absolutely. So my name is uh, Leah and I'm passionate about lots of things. I'm passionate about humans. Um, and right now the role I have is that I am chief executive for a company called Leadership Trust. Um, and Leadership Trust specializes in experiential learning applied to leadership development. So we use emotions to help people grow their self-awareness and develop the skills that compose leadership. And we do that because um, our vision is to enable positive social impact uh, by revealing possibility and energizing change for a critical mass of authentic leaders so leaders at the moment um, we need a lot of very good ones so yes. our job is to educate as many wonderful people as we can to the art of leadership love it love it and one of the things that I have really enjoyed hearing from you when we've connected recently is the steeped history that the company that you are CEO of um the whole history that Leadership Trust has do you want to talk us through a little bit about um where Leadership Trust came from and that kind of like steeped origin story Yes, gosh, the, the, this organization really is an incredible place to work. Um, it was set up in the mid-70s uh, by a retired Special Forces officer called David Gilbert Smith. And in the 70s, um, the economic situation in the UK was really quite difficult, and he thought that the leadership development training they did for special forces officers would readily transfer to the captains of industry. And now leadership development is a, a standard thing, but back in the 70s, it, it absolutely did not exist. Yeah. So he set up a foundation, and the aim of which was to make leadership development a normal thing that everyone should be educated to. So that piece, that job, um, I think now in 2022, you know, leadership development is something that a lot of people do. But so he set up this centre um, in the beautiful Wye Valley um, in Herefordshire. And um, the, the, what I love about the story is that he came with the special forces side, the, the leadership development training they did for them. But then he met a wonderful lady called Janet Richardson, um, and she was a behavioural psychologist. And it's the they 
fell in love. And so it really is the course that we still run today. It's the same design as, gosh, 45 years ago. And it really is their baby. And it's still that design that we're running today. And what's particularly interesting for me is that the research in behavioral psychology didn't exist at that point. Um, to be able to design what they did based on data. But 30 years on, all of the research exists and it's confirmed that this type of education of using emotion um, to develop your self-awareness, it has been proven to work. So there's something quite magical about the, yeah. the course there. So, um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's had a wonderful history. It's uh, I think we have more than 80,000 people who have experienced the course. Um, it's been life-changing, the way that it's designed it. So whoever you are, whatever your skills are, um, you will, uh, you know, break, have a number of breakthroughs during and after, and, you know, five years after, and 30 yeah. years after the course. Um, so it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful place to, to work. And the, the object of what we do is just so uplifting. When we run courses, you can see, you can actually see people going through transformation. And it's just goosebump moment after goosebump moment. So we, we absolutely love what we do. Oh, I love it. And I love talking to you about it. And um, we've obviously discussed leadership trust um, a little bit when we've connected last year. And one of the things that I really loved about talking to you, Leah, is that I just feel so incredibly aligned to your overall mission. And um, that opportunity to expand people's uh, possibilities and give them the opportunity to really kind of um, figure out this this level of self-awareness that perhaps they haven't had the tools to do by themselves and that's why I really wanted to speak to you as well because um, this kind of theme that I'm running through the podcast at the moment is to give people who are listening and I have a lot of fantastic listeners that hurt, that are um, you know in corporate roles or are looking to develop themselves in multiple different ways I want to give them the opportunity to see that actually there is the possibility uh, for strong female leaders to be there, to be making these social changes in the right energy, using the right tools. Um, and like you say, we do have the, the data, we do have the science now, it's never been more available. So it's just a, a great opportunity for us to use those things to our advantage. Um, in terms of your life and your career, how did you end up being a CEO? Uh, completely by accident <laughs> but before I go into that Dawn I just have to highlight uh, the the huge quality of the work that you do and you know the impact that you've had on me even though we um, you know we we've discussed um, you know we've had chats a few times you know your yeah. energy and the, the demeanor and you know the the way you go about your work um, you know it has had its impact on me so I think you do a fabulous job already oh, in, in supporting so many um, to, to growing to their best potential oh, thank um, you. so how did I become <laughs> oh sorry I think I've got a bit of a delay um, from you but um, it, it's okay. absolutely heartfelt <laughs> thank you so um, much so <laughs> so how did I become a CEO um um, 
I think it, it, it was a bit by by accident, um, although the person who offered me the job would probably say it was completely by design. Um, but I actually don't have a background in business at all. And I think that that is a message I want to put out there, um, is that CEO is a fantastic role and I absolutely love my job and I'll talk about that a bit after. But my background is philosophy. So I have a, a PhD in moral philosophy and what I'm passionate about is how humans make decisions about how they're going to behave. Um, and my the beginning of my career was in um, uh, drugs. <laughs> um, so I was with um, an organization called the World Anti-Doping Agency and my job was to understand why athletes engaged in performance enhancing substances. Um, then it was to develop the prevention programs based on the knowledge we'd uncovered through research and then it was to have an advocacy role with the um, sport governing bodies to get them to implement uh, prevention programs. And then I got asked to do the same thing in corruption. So I do dabble in some really nice stuff. <laughs> but in corruption. order to help people in the right directions, you have to go where the work is, right? <laughs> exactly. So um, it was. So my job was to um, understand how athletes would get. So uh, match fixing is one of the big forms of corruption in sports. So when athletes get paid to deliberately lose. Um, and that's linked to illegal betting. Um, and so my job was to try and get athletes to not do that. Um, and then it was, for me, it, it was, the, you know, I sort of had a, a moment because we were trying to get all of these athletes to behave in a very moral way. And then other people in the organization were, you know, doing all of the wrong things. And you know, there was a, a clash in my head of how can I be asking all of these people to behave in a certain way when everyone else is doing exactly the opposite. Yeah. So um, that's when I started working with Leadership Trust um, because I really loved the methodology. So I didn't know them prior to that. But the experiential methodology of getting people to feel um, certain things to recognize and be able to anticipate behaviors uh, for me was really interesting in the case of corruption because corruption it's not something you wake up one day and think today I'm going to take a bribe it's a very slow grooming process that yes. the um, you know organized crime is very good at doing um, so that's how I got working with leadership trust on this project and then there was a um, an opportunity that came around to become the CEO of the organization and the organization was going through a massive culture change and I think that that's why the owner um, of the company asked me to take the reins because it wasn't so much about the business side of the business it really was about the culture um, and the one thing actually that made me take the job was this incredible team of women that were already working in the business. And, you know, I could see how hard they were working and how competent they were at their jobs. And I was like, well, if we gave them the space to be able to do their job, like this is going to be fireworks all over the place. Yeah. So for me, it was a bit of a, a scary 
decision to make because I had no business background whatsoever. At that point, I had a, a sort of... Um, uh, my relationship with money, I'd never been involved in a professional setting in any revenue-generating um, activity. So, you know, suddenly I'm in business and it's about money. And when you've been working in not-for-profit and non-governmental organizations, going to the for-profit sector suddenly was a bit of a... Um, uh, what's the word? You know, it's almost a betrayal. You know, yeah. suddenly you're no longer, you know, you no longer have a higher purpose. You're going down to the dirty business making world. You know, the um, so there is that disconnect. You know, there was a lot there? Of, there is that disconnect in the feeling around it. I I've been able to marry those two feelings quite seamlessly. But what you're saying there is absolutely right. That that oftentimes we do feel like. You can't have that moral purpose and be inherently business and financially driven at the same time. That's such a great point to make, Leah. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. Absolutely, and I think that people like you and I have got a role in dispelling that myth because... I've worked in, well, I've worked with or I've been around um, not-for-profit organizations that are very toxic places to work with that have completely lost sight of their purpose. And I've worked with for-profit businesses that are making a huge difference to the world and that are amazing groups of people. So yes. I think... In this day and age, there's a we have to be very careful that the structure of the organisation doesn't predispose the good that's happening. And I think that the alignment that you can find in some business, where the the value that you're generating, um, you know, creates the wealth that goes with it, um, and it doesn't. It's not because you're a for profit or that you're a um, a foundation that basically the the structure, the legal structure behind your business shouldn't um, define the good you're doing to the world. So um, that was a, a long answer to say how I became how I became CEO. <laughs> I love that though because I think um, in terms of for females who are looking at their situation and considering what parts they want to play in the world, especially in a world that's dealing with the kind of things that our world is dealing with, um, you know, at the moment, it can, it can be kind of difficult to understand that culturally there are some things that have shifted that haven't quite made it to the masses yet in terms of comprehension. Um, for females to have that opportunity to be part of something that is extremely meaningful, to be part of something that is extremely purposeful, and still to be able to um, 
make good money and be involved in money and being involved in how money is spent and having power and influence in that space that actually could create some good for the world um and it's like it's a little bit like taking care of your own um little garden patch isn't it like your own little vegetable patch if you are in your corner of the world doing good things that's never going to create bad things but we we tend to have this disconnect between being able to earn money and have influence and 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 power i use that word very loosely because i feel feminine power is slightly different to again the comprehension of of the stacked the stacked feeling the word power has um but our own power to actually do good things and to do things that we're passionate about and to have that autonomy that perhaps we previously have not been uh you know we've not had the space to to do so for such a long time when it comes to uh, you know the history of things and i think in terms of leading with emotion and leading with energy these are things that previously we've been taught to maybe not 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 to be proper business like you 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 have to be have something tangible and practical um and these aren't these aren't proper business assets when in fact every time i speak to somebody wonderful like yourself one of the things that comes through for me is always just this amazing energy this is amazing amazing spirit this feminine energy that that is so powerful and so brilliant for for business that it's it's a little bit strange that it's always been denied I know and I think that's why the the work that you're doing now Dawn is so important to get the message out there that um making money is not a bad thing um that women making money is not a bad thing and it is possible and that the more good we do in the world the more authentic we are the more we're going to make a difference and you're right you know in most of the time when we talk about businesses in the wider media it's to say what bad things a business has done and you know because of the representation of who runs the business you know statistically at the moment there are still many many more men who run businesses women said so that you know there's this sort of picture that we end up having in our head of what business means which is it does bad things and who do i have to be to be able to run a business and it's you know a very certain stereotype of ceo and i just can't commend your work enough to you know for, you know breaking busting all of those myths about you know what a ceo looks like you know you're looking at one right now i'm a mixed race woman um i started my first CEO position aged 36 um i had no clue about business no clue about money um and the the we we pivoted the business and we've done absolutely fabulous work so where i was lucky and i think that that's probably you know the the feminine side is that the reason i joined the company was out of you know a form of universal love to the team that was already there and i could see these amazing people and even though i i didn't have the business side for me i just thought well i'm just going to work extremely hard to deserve their respect and to deserve them following me in whatever direction i'm going to take so i need to you know make sure i i go in the right direction um and i think that you know if if more people knew that that was 
possible. It, it wouldn't be such a, a stretch for people to start thinking, well, maybe I could do that job. Maybe I could set up my own business. And when it comes to money, I think, you know, we see a lot of very rich people at the moment. And we know, we know that the divide in between the very, very rich um, are getting richer and they're getting further removed from the rest of us. And the more people start making money and the more people start spending money on doing good things, the, you know, the more we're going to perhaps reverse the direction of travel that we all seem to be going down at the moment. So I can develop into um, leading operations like these where you can really end up making a, a big difference. And it's not so much about the object of your company. You know, if you run an apple juice factory and you treat your people well and um, you make sure that you're running a functional business where everyone has a role to play and everyone is valued and you're generating that wealth, that in itself is a really, really important part of the puzzle. You, you know, you don't have to be inventing, you know, clean energy machines to be making a a, a real contribution. And I think that that's often overlooked, that just being a nice business person is a massive contribution to making the world a better place. I love that. And I think that is such a valuable idea for us to consider because sometimes we do get kind of caught up in this profound nature of our work and in fact actually just being a decent human being and just contributing like you said positively is actually really really impactful and not necessarily too far outside of our comfort zone yeah and I think you know, that whole idea of valuing your people, I love that because I think that so many people that I've come across, one of the reasons why they've looked at different opportunities for themselves or they've started up their own businesses is because at some point in their history, they have felt like they had more to give and that that potential was being overlooked um, and perhaps that that, you know, that person might not have quite felt as valued as they would have liked to have felt. And I think, just simple things like that, that that quite rightly, like you say, it, it's simple and it's easy and it doesn't have to have this massive kind of outward impact, but it will still have that ripple effect. It will still have an impact. And for the people who are in that organisation, it's massive. It's life-changing. It is. It is and it really, really should not be underestimated. You know, even if you're in a small business, so if I go back to my apple juice factory you know even if you've just got 10 people working in your company if it's 10 people that you pay properly that are happy to come into work it means that it's 10 people who are better partners better parents um who you know contribute you know outwardly in, in a better way and that in itself you know job done you know if, if everyone was like that we'd have um, you know, a much better place um, to be. So I think you know, really not underestimating the, the power of just being a decent 
human being is so important. <laughs> I'm suddenly feeling like we should be we should be running for office or something, Leah. All of a sudden, I can see lots of things that I feel like we could help. Um, you know, the 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 bigger corporations and government structures in in our world with i think we've just figured it out that's the answer to the universe and everything right there <laughs> exactly job done vote for us that's job <laughs> job done that's our 42 thank you everybody and good night <laughs> um I mean, if only it was as easy as, as just saying, you know, be, be a decent human. But I think you, you're so right in that we, we can get caught up in whether we are being a perfect version of ourselves and not allowing ourselves that kind of um, inner compassion and kindness when it comes to really striving for doing good things and being better people on a personal level when actually simple changes like that can make such a massive difference and I loved what you said about how if you pay people well and they're happy in their jobs they they are better parents they're better partners they're better people in the outside world because I think that's that's kind of like the the golden nugget that is so often missed that the if you are the person who is adding to the pressure who's adding to the pain who's adding to the stress then you're not going to get not only the right performance from your people, the right support from your people, the right energy from your people, but you're also contributing to all the other external factors that might be weighing them down and changing who the landscape of that that person will be outwardly as well. So it gives it, it gives a lot of force to just such a really simple but like you said, something not to be underestimated. Absolutely, and yeah, it's we had an example here, um, and it, it was, it, you know, it, it it for me it really highlights the power of um, of you being enough. So um, we had a guy come on one of our courses, and um, I had a chat with him, and he was beautifully candid with me, and he said, "Well, you know, I came." onto the course and um, my life up until then it had been you know pretty much easy go lucky um, you know not getting too committed not getting too involved sort of breathing through my world and then he said but you know I was adopted and so my inner belief was that I was easily disposable and my ideas and suggestions could also be easily disposable so he came onto the course and he had you know this amazing breakthrough moment and he explained to me his return back home and his little daughter ran up to him daddy daddy and he just got very emotional and his wife like what's going on and he said I'm worth something and from then on he so of course you know his career got a lot better he got a lot more involved with work more committed you know, ever, everywhere else, but he started getting involved with charity, um, charities that focus on adoption, and he became a spokesperson for the movement. He got very involved um, in changing some of the legislation um, about um, adoption, and he's had a massive impact on that. And it was really just a matter of him becoming his authentic, authentic self, becoming comfortable with who he was, 
you know, developing that self-awareness and learning how to relate better with the outside world. And the direct impact of that was him, you know, his relationship with his partner, with his children, and with the impact he's had on the world, which has led to massive progress um, in the adoption process. And, you know, that can't be, you know, that that's just, you know, I think that says it all, you know, no further comment, Your Honour. No further comment. That's a bank drop moment. And and what I love about that is there's this theme that I talk all the time, and you probably will have heard me say it before, but I talk to to my people all the time about the ripple effect, the things that you perhaps can't always tell that you started, but then has a positive effect on the outskirts. And you you don't have to know where that ripple ends. You just have to know that you were a part of that positive change somewhere in the journey. Um, and I love that. I love that idea that that breakthrough and, and something that you have provided in terms of that person's perspective on themselves is so different that it has made those so those other positive changes that at the beginning of the journey you could never have predicted you could never have forecasted and that is such such a beautiful thing this is one of the things we do in our agency and with my teaching which is a little bit unorthodox in the marketing spectrum is that because we use positive psychology as part of our marketing framework we do not necessarily work on just numbers and metrics I mean we do obviously work on numbers and metrics because we have to have the data Um, and we are just you know in our own little world we are little science geeks but at the same time we we really do um kind of have value we add value to the ideas of the things that we can't right now measure that there are things that are happening that you can't necessarily get a metric on right at this moment Um, and we give weight to that we give power to that because it's like a little bit like if you're on Facebook and you're posting all the time and you know that the reach is a certain amount but you're not getting the same level of engagement you might think well that post is rubbish we're looking at how many people had eyes on that and and how many lurkers for lack of a better term had a positive change by seeing that that day like we can't measure it because they didn't do anything with it other than potentially look at it but we're still giving value to that idea that, that something good has happened beyond what we can immediately see and that's a very similar kind of ideal and I love that I just I think if everybody had that feeling about what they did they would worry less about taking the step and take more action. Absolutely. You're absolutely spot on. And I really love that idea, you know, and all the work that you do on, you know, the marketing and, you know, the sales on the back of it and, you know, trying to make positive change through that method of marketing I think is you know marketing is everywhere and it's so important that it's done well and properly (laughs) so thank you for that (laughs) but yeah it is it's just one of those it's one of those small themes that make us just a little bit different and I think sometimes especially in our industry it can be a bit difficult for us to show those things because again there's almost like an archaic way that things are done and if you step out of line of the way things are done um you 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 know you are rocking the boat a tad too much and we really really love 
having the opportunity to actually completely make our own rules based on what we believe is the right way and it's a little bit like what you were saying about the course that was created in the 70s that behavioral science data wasn't there but there was a trust in that situation there was a trust in that course and then it comes it comes through to fruition that actually now that is measurable and it is absolutely you know right on which I love that and I think that that there is that whole feeling of that there should be a level of allowing yourself to trust in the things that you feel and to trust in have a little bit of faith in perhaps the things you can't immediately measure you're absolutely right and I think that's perhaps what you were referring to to um you know a new style of management and earlier um we were talking about fear and how um, you know, a lot of the time fear gets in the way and the fear that we're not the establishment or we're not part of the established way of doing things and that getting in the way of you actually starting doing the things you want to do in the way that you want to do them because that's not how they are currently being done. Um, and I think, you know, whatever we can do to show people that, you know, business has existed in a certain way and it's been run in a certain way for many many years as a result of you know the world as it stood but there are lots of different ways to make business that also work and we don't have yet the data to show that it's true and that's where I'm starting to get excited because in my job the way I did um, you know the pivot of the business I did it in a completely non um non-finance driven way I did it purely from a people behavior team transformation way and it's proved to have been incredibly successful and so we could probably have achieved the same way using a different method and probably being more numbers driven but now I can show that that way of doing things also works so you know yes of course it can be improved and if I had to do it again would there be things I'd do differently with what I know now yes of course but not starting something because of the perceptions we have and the limiting self-beliefs that we have Um, I always love that story with Sarah Blakely and Spanx and how she started and when she used to go and visit you know, knicker factories and she'd turn up and, you know, she'd have people with clipboards say, you know, deciding whether knickers were comfortable or not. And then she wanted to do it differently and everyone was, would tell her, no, 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 you know, that's not the way you do it. And she did it anyway. And we all know the success of Spanx um, and of yeah. uh, Sarah Blakely after that. So trailblazing, it can be scary, but if you feel it and that's what you've firmly believe in it's always worth a try yeah and I love that you whenever we talk about things like this you always bring it back to that area of alignment and if you feel it and if you if you can actually have 
what what is right for you in terms of your energetic capacity because it can make everything so much easier if you have that understanding of yourself and what you want to do um being a thought leader is not easy and ripping up the rule book especially when everyone around you is telling you that this is gospel is so hard and yet we we know from the people that we've experienced in the industry and the friends that we have um that that now that we're working in the ways that we do that actually that can be the genius of the piece that can be the thing that is missing and can very often be that be the thing that makes a change in industries that that need a change that need that shake up i could i could not agree oh there you are (laughs) sorry i could not agree more dawn that is um, I'm going to write it on a T-shirt, and I'm going to remember <laughs> remember that all the time. And I have so many examples of when I first started, where I had um, you know people coming. You know, I, I had a lot of unsolicited advice when I started out, and people coming to tell me, you know, how to run the business and the decisions that should be made, and all of that. And I didn't agree with most of. Um, the advice that was being provided and um, it can be very discouraging and I can understand why people would have um, the fear that if they do it their own way it's just not going to to work then I think it trust your your instincts and um, the way that things are isn't necessarily the way they should be and if you can contribute it in a in a different way and I think that's a really good reframe that your way of doing things can provide you with the niche that you need to be successful in business and you know that is really difficult and it does take a lot of self-confidence to be able to do self-confidence or just completely ignoring your imposter syndrome <laughs> knowing that it's there and just plainly <laughs> ignoring it um but the way that yeah. I know that the way that um, you know newcomers run business, you know the the sort of challenges in business. That's always because they they can see a different way of doing things and they go for it. So go for it. Yeah, and I love that because. I remember feeling like um, I had lots of ideas and lots of things that I wanted to do and not being in a position that I that I had the autonomy to actually make the decisions and see them through and test them out and do those things. And there's nothing more frustrating than being that visionary and having, having the ideas of how things could be and then being stopped or being unable because of circumstance to, to execute them and give it a try. Um, so I think if you're in a position where you, you are lucky enough to have that level of autonomy and you can try these things and do these things, if it feels inherently comfortable for you, then you definitely should. And one of the things that I think is, uh, it's come to light a few times for me, and and let me know if you agree, Leah, but I think that sometimes, especially for female leaders, there has to be a level of inner work and self-awareness for ourselves, for us to unlock what those things would be and where where we feel comfortable and where we where we actually want to be to to make those changes i know i these things happened to me in my 30s because that's the age where i started to explore which it seems ridiculous when i say it out loud 
but there was that was the age where I wanted to explore who I really was as a woman and and what I was actually going to do whilst I was here and I started to mature in a way where um it wasn't just about coasting through life anymore it was actually about figuring out what is my purpose here what what do I want to bring to the table and that that seems to be a common theme throughout so many of the amazing female leaders that that we look up to and that we know I couldn't agree more Dawn um I invest massively in my personal development and my continuous professional learning um I absolutely would not be where I am and I would not have had the strength to do what I did if I hadn't had the development and the support so I'm very very candid with the fact that I have coaches and I have different coaches for different things um I see a therapist once a month um I keep learning new stuff so um I'm taking my pilot license at the moment I'm always trying new experiences I can see your face yes <laughs> I'm so excited for you I didn't know you were doing that that's amazing I'll come and pick you up we'll go for lunch then we're cool <laughs> <laughs> that'd be wonderful I mean um but yeah the the um, the personal development and the support is so key in any form of success because um actually the the definition of performance that leadership trust uses is that performance equals potential minus interference so um performance isn't about doing more and you know finding ways to to be able to work harder it really is about understanding what's getting in the way of you reaching your potential and you can do that alone but it takes a lot of time and it's a lot more painful that if you get support you know so a lot of you know i often i talk about Roger Federer and i like, Roger Federer is in my view the best tennis player in the world and he has a coach and no one is going to go and tell Roger Federer that he's got a coach because he doesn't know how to play tennis you know a coach is just outside of you providing you with information that you can't see because simply of where you're standing and the the support that i got so you know the the latest um piece of coaching i'm doing which is absolutely amazing is to do around um has to do around money blocks and women's relationship with money is a very very complex relationship because it's linked to self-worth it's linked to boundaries it's linked to over delivering and undervaluing yeah. your uh, yeah. <laughs> so i can see we've all been there and if i hadn't done that piece of work Preaching actually to the converted <laughs> So um definitely you know personal development and and that support and you know a lot of the insecurities that limit us in our business ventures if you work them through with a coach or a therapist or you know whoever you decide to want to support you all of those just give indications as to you know what your blockers are so you can work on those you can address the business issue uh, differently yeah. and I know that I've had um you know a lot of situations where my initial thought was to go in a certain direction and then having worked it through with someone looking at it from the outside 
I ended up making a decision that was completely different, which was much better for the business. And the only reason I took, I was going to make the initial decision was either out of fear or out of insecurity or, you know, whatever other blocker um, I may have had. So I, I can't say that enough, you know, the investment in in yourself, in in getting the user guide of who you are. You know, at the moment, I'm I'm flying aeroplanes. I'm learning how to fly aeroplanes. You can get your pilot license. You know, like sort of within a sixty-hour learning period, and that's quite a simple machine compared to being a human being. So, who has spent sixty hours on learning their own user guide? You know, would you go out in an aeroplane without having been given the user guide and being shown how it works? You probably wouldn't, and I would advise, I would definitely advise against it. But whoever gave you, (laughs) whoever gave you your own user guide, you know, how do you know how you're set up, what you react to particularly, what's stopping you, and all of those things. And if if you can spend a bit of time learning about that, then it's like suddenly you've got the keys to your own Ferrari. You know, that's who you are. You know, we're all these incredible, incredible machines. And given the keys and the user guide, you know, you're pretty much limitless as to what you can go out and do. And even if what you want to do is have a chilled life, you know, somewhere nice and, you know, not going down the road. And I think that that's a message I... I also want to support is that the, you know, high achievement, you know, we're, we're definitely in a, in a world of high performance and, you know, high achievers and, you know, delivering a lot of stuff. And, you know, I do want to chip back in that it's perfectly fine to just be happy at work and find your fulfillment outside of work and, you know, if you're not an entrepreneur, that's absolutely fine. Just make sure that you're deciding, you know, that you're not just making the decision that you're not an entrepreneur out of fear. But if you just naturally aren't, that's absolutely fine, too. Yeah, I love that. And I had a really good conversation, a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine recently where we had noticed the rise of the traumapreneur, which is perhaps somebody who has gone into that world, gone into that life based on a previous trauma, whether that be a work trauma or a life trauma, that has then given them this sense of lacking in self-worth and by by trying to bridge that gap and create this idea that they were a high performance, you know, a high delivering, uh, you know, person, that it gave them that sense of self worth because that initial sense of of worth was was missing, and that just breaks my heart because although ev- everybody has some trauma, like we all have some trauma somewhere, and that's that's just you know that's. that's how it is so here we are and the idea that the motivation behind it or the purpose behind it is still in this feeling of scarcity or lack in yourself as a human that you're looking at yourself like you're not a Ferrari you know that that breaks my heart because the potential is there and what you said is so right with the right tools and the user guide and the keys, you absolutely can 
be limitless. You have, there is nothing to stop you. Um, and it's about figuring out what those real deeper level of intentions are for you. What are the real reasons that you're doing what you're doing? Like you said, is it because of fear? Is there some other block there that's actually kind of swaying your your decision or changing your perception? Um, and these are all like really wonderful conversations that I feel like, especially you and I, Leah, we could probably sit here and, and ponder this all day. <laughs> we could probably do a day festival of conversation around this around this subject. Um, but if you were, if the for the women that are listening right now that are, that are in that impasse in their lives that are considering what is available to them in terms of could they someday be a CEO could they someday have the business that they want could they you know could they even have the confidence to apply for that new role that they've seen that that is of interest to them what would your what would your one piece of advice to those listeners be can I have two (laughs) yes of course you can so for me Um, by default the message to everyone is that you are a Ferrari like that's the non-negotiable truth about everyone is that everyone has and it's by virtue of being human you know we're just amazing creatures Um, so that's advice number one is that you're just awesome so take that as starting point and the second piece is that for me, the most important is to know what you want. And I think a lot of the time we get drawn into wanting things that we deep down inside don't really want. And I think if right now you're in a situation where you're not quite happy where you are, you know, maybe it's really horrible or maybe you're just lacking the spark. Question number one is really identifying ultra clearly what you want and um, a a true version of that. You know, it's not just, oh, I'd like to be an entrepreneur because entrepreneurs seem to have a cool lifestyle that would deal better with me. It really is. What's your calling? What's your mission? Because once you know that, it's super straightforward to get it. And, you know, when I talk about identifying what you really want, it's understanding that anything is available to you. And it really is more a question of choice. You know, so do you want to be a CEO because you've got something to prove? Or do you want to be a CEO because it's a role that's absolutely fantastic? And, you know, I could talk about that for hours because I absolutely love my job. And do you not want to be a CEO because you've decided that, CEO is out of reach for you and that you don't look like all of the CEOs that you don't look like what you think a CEO should look like or you know do you have a limiting belief about that so if you can identify honestly truthfully authentically what you really want it's a hundred percent yours for the taking I love that. Thank you so, so much, Leah. I've really, really, really enjoyed our time together today. And I know um, that my pretties will absolutely adore this episode. So thank you so, so much for joining me. And I I think that's going to have to be part of our messaging now. I'm going to have to put that out somewhere that, you know, you are a Ferrari. I love it. 
Or you can be a Land Rover if you prefer off-road. But yeah, everyone <laughs> is top of the range. <laughs> top of the range. I love it. Thank you so, so much. Um, I, I hope that you will join us again sometime. And I just can't thank you enough for taking this time with me. Um, if you're listening pretties I will put the details of Leadership Trust and Leah in the description so you can go and check out this amazing uh, company and brand and again just thank you so much for joining me well thank you Dawn I really really enjoyed that if you're loving our pretty podcast come on over to Social Pretties our online safe house and sisterhood community it's a safe space where female entrepreneurs connect and thrive in a warm welcoming fold of pretty amazing women you'll find an easy redirect in the description and I can't wait to see you in there And depending on where you're listening right now, we would love it if you would click subscribe or follow so that you can be the first to know when our new podcasts come out.